Now, I want to tell you this. I think we are mourning the loss of our series called Shadows, where each week what we did is we said any single time you see a shadow, it is proof that there's light. And so what, what we did each week is said, here are the shadows that prove that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And so now in this new series called Light, we move, we move away from looking at the shadows that prove that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and we look at him, the light himself, the light of the world. And so today, we start looking at him. Hope in the midst of despair, satisfaction in the midst of longing, and the one who can bring life out of death. And we're going to do this by looking at John. We're going to be in chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. So here you go. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge according to no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. And so he said to them, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he said, where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, what I have been telling you from the very beginning I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I what I have heard from him. They did not understand what he was speaking to them about the Father, so Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has no, he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So when Jesus says that he is the light of the world, this claim is absolutely astonishing. In the Old Testament, The light is referring a lot of times to God himself. Light refers to the very presence and the very glory of God. Light is referring to the word of God, to the law of God. Light is referring to the salvation that is accomplished by God alone. And light is also referring to truth. 
So what Jesus is saying is that if you want to know what truth is, come to me, the light, come out of the darkness and into me, the light, and I will show you what truth is. What he's saying is that you cannot find truth outside of me. Outside of him, we're walking in the darkness. We can't really be sure if we have found, if we have taken hold of what, of what is true, we have to really kind of second guess ourselves until we come to him, the light. We are playing a guessing game without him. That's what he's saying. And he also says that if you follow him, he will be the light of your life, which means that in him and him alone, you have the life that you are always meant to have. When Jesus says, listen, when Jesus says that he is the light of life, he's saying there's nothing that you should want more than him. That he becomes your number one desire, your number one longing. So what I want to do now is I want to paint a picture of what Jesus is saying. When he says he's the light of the world, all who, and if you follow him, you come out of darkness. Here's what I want you to see. He's painting a picture, and here's the picture. I want you to imagine yourself in a cave, okay? And by the way, if you like Plato's allegory of the cave, this is a play on that, a Christian variation of that. Okay, so listen, you imagine yourself in a cave, and you are chained, strapped down upon a rock to stare at a wall your entire life. You're chained to this rock to stare at this wall your entire life. That is your life here on the earth. And when you're here, chained, upon that wall that you are staring at are shadows. And there are shadows because at the entrance of the cave, there is a light that is shining. And anytime something passes by the entrance of that cave, the shadow of that is cast upon the wall. And so you are there looking at shadows. And here's what happened. Because this is all you can see are these shadows For you, there's nothing that is more real than the shadow. For you, the shadow is a reality because you do not know that there is light outside of the cave and there are things passing by the entrance that are casting shadows upon that cave. And so our last series said, we're going to look at all the shadows that prove that there's light outside of the cave. And that's what we did for like three months. So now... We're turning around and we're going to stop looking at the shadows and we're going to start looking at what the light is outside of the cave. And the Christian story, listen guys, the Christian story is a story of the light that is outside of the cave, coming into the cave, coming into the world. And he comes to us and he says, I'm the one who's casting light that is causing shadows to come upon the wall. He's saying every single one of the desires that you have, you desire those shadows. You're building your life around those shadows because that's the only thing that you know in this world and in this life. You're putting your hope in the shadows. And what he's saying is that the shadows the whole time have been pointing at me. So he says, I'm coming into the world and I'm here. And he's saying to us, I am the light that is outside of the cave, that is causing the shadows to be cast upon the wall. And then you say, okay, well, listen. If, he's, if you're the shadow, or if you're the light, then why aren't all these people in this story blinded by you? 
Why aren't I blinded by your light, Jesus? If you're saying you're the light of the world, then why am I not seeing you as this bright and shining light? And here's why. And here's the problem for humanity. Here's our problem. He's coming in, veiling his glory, veiling the light of his glory, and here's why. If we saw his light as he is, in the cave, it would absolutely blind us. So in the Old Testament, Moses says to God, God, I want to see you. Let me see your face. Let me see you. And you know what God says to Moses? Moses, you don't understand. If you see me, you're going to drop down dead. My glory will overwhelm your senses and you're going to hit the floor. My radiance you cannot handle. And here's why. In our sin, he's saying... Here's what God is saying to Moses. Moses, you are too sinful to see my glory because my glory, anything that is sinful in the presence of my glory will die. So he says, Moses, you cannot see my face. If you do, you're gonna drop to the ground dead. The only way, listen, the only way God could come into the world and tell us about himself is if he veiled his glory, if he wore a blanket over himself, if he did not show himself fully to us, otherwise we would hit the ground. But here's the problem too. Look at what he says. He says, I'm gonna come into the world and I'm gonna tell you that I'm the light of the world. But the problem is, you're not gonna believe me because you're in the flesh. He says it in the text. He says, you're not gonna believe what I'm saying about myself. He says, we won't believe and unless we see his glory. Look, okay, so we won't believe unless we see his glory, but the problem is if we see his glory, we're gonna die in our sin. So if we don't see him, we're left stuck in the cave to die in our sin. And if we do see his glory, we're gonna drop dead because of his glory, we're gonna die in our sin again. So there's a catch 22. And so here's what happens. We're now stuck in this prison chained forever. But he says, but there is one way And the way is for me to be lifted up. And what he's talking about is being lifted up on the cross. And he's saying through that, through our belief in his being lifted up on the cross, and I'm going to go there later. I really, I'm giving away the end and I shouldn't be doing that right now, but I'm doing it because it's going to make it more clear, okay? But I should not be doing it. But anyways, when he's lifted up on the cross, we're going to believe. And here's what happens. As soon as we believe, the chains come off and we turn around and we see the light at the entrance of the cave, and we begin making our journey to him. And we enter into a world where he has not veiled himself, but his glory is shining for all of us to see, and it lights the sky. Okay. Now, this life in this world is a, is a world in a cave. We are all in a cave. And there are two states that we are in in this cave. Every single one of us in this room, we're either in one of two states. We're either chained to that rock, left staring at this wall and this wall alone, staring at shadows, or the chains have been broken through our belief and we have begun our journey out towards the entrance of that cave, but we are still in the cave no matter what. Every single Christian, every single skeptic in this room, we are all in the cave. And so life in the cave is either staring at the wall or a journey out. 
And the question that lies in the balance is what will you make of Jesus? Every single person, your story, every, the story of humanity, the great question is, what will you make of him? The question that lies underneath the subtitle of every single person's life, he's the centerpiece of history, and the question is, what will you make of him? That's what the subtitle of your life reads. It is the great question. And so what we do is we tend to chase after shadows instead of going to the real thing, to the real light. So what I want to do now is I want to look at the signs that you are in the cave longing for the light. What are the signs that you are longing for Christ in your life? So here's the first sign. There's this flashing light that you want the light. Flashing signs, you want the light. So the first sign is that you're frustrated with your life. (laughs) Are the things not going the way you want them to be going in your life? Are there circumstances in your life that are causing you unrest or frustration? Are there people in your life who are absolutely driving driving you crazy? Listen, I want to tell you something that we do. Here's something we do. Instead of going to Christ... We take our family and we try to make our family our light. They're just a shadow, but we try to make them the light of our world. So remember, you are chained to only see the shadows that are in front of you. So here's what happens. You're longing for something to put your hope in. You have to put your hope in something. And so whatever you think is most valuable to you, whatever most valuable to you in your life, you treat that as it is the light of the world. And so when you make your family the most valuable thing to you, or anything you make the most valuable thing, but if you make your family the most valuable thing to you, then you're trying to get from them what only the light can give you. And so it means you go to them to find what is true, what is real. You'd go to them to try to find your purpose, your value, your satisfaction, your meaning in life is all found in them. You are going to them for your salvation. You have no choice. You have to go to something. And I got to tell you, that is way too much for your spouse or your children to bear. You're probably suffocating them without realizing it. You're going to your spouse, you're going to Sydney, you can do something with a friend, whoever. You're going to them for them to be the light of your world. And you're fighting with your spouse over and over and over again, and you can't figure out why. And you're so frustrated with them, and your expectations of them are so high because you're trying to get from them the light. And it's in Christ alone. And I realized that as I was writing this, that I'm doing this to my wife, Elise. I'm treating her as if she's supposed to be the light of my world and my expectations of her are way too high. She's never going to meet them and it's not good. And it's the same thing with our kids. We can do this with our kids. We can have these expectations on our kids. Come on, be better. You can do it. You can do it. And we have, them, we have to have them be better because our whole purpose and our whole identity is wrapped up in them and how they are doing. And that's not good for them. It's harmful for them. It's harmful for you. And by the way, do you know without Christ, you can never really know your family, your spouse, 
your friends. You know why without Christ? Because you're still in the cave and you're seeing a shadow version of them. The real version of them is outside of the cave. And you're never going to see them in the light until you see them as Christ has come into your life and he's shining upon them and you get to know the real version of them. You can enjoy the real version of them. You can love the real version of them only in the light. So the same is true with your job, with your bank account. So many people spend their whole life chasing after some career that's going to give them the salary that they want so they can get the lifestyle that they want and so that they can be comfortable. And they chase it and chase it and they never get it. Left frustrated. Or... They do get it, and they realize that that never could deliver for them, and they spent their whole life chasing it, never finding satisfaction. Here's another sign. Another sign that you want the light is that you're frustrated not only with your life, but with, your, with, with yourself. Do you feel like you cannot be the version of you that you know you are meant to be? Do you feel like you're lacking purpose in your life? Do you feel like you're meant to live for so much more? Do you feel like you're only scratching the surface of who you're one day meant to become? Listen, of course you're not living the life you're meant to live. It's because you're in chains. You're strapped up here. The, you're meant to live out in freedom, out, outside the cave, out in, meant to roam, out in the world well, not in the world, outside of the cave, breathing finally the first breath of fresh air, running as you were meant to run. And by the way, even if you're a Christian, here's what we do. We're freed and we start heading to the entrance of that cave, out towards the light, and here's what happens. We're walking and then we turn back around and we look at the shadows and then we become captivated by the shadows. We do this. Okay, Christian, we are idiots because here's what we do. We say, the light. By the way, isn't that a beautiful graphic? Thank you, Josh. The light, we turn back around and we go to the shadow and we become captivated by the shadow and we start getting frustrated and we say, oh yeah, what am I doing? I gotta go back out towards the light and we make a turnaround. That's the second sign. Third sign that you are longing for the light is that you're frustrated with the world. Do you look around at the world and see suffering, see pain, see people going through things and it becomes incredibly frustrating, it makes you angry? Do you see murder, genocide, racism, rape? You see children being molested. I mean, do you see these things and you become incredibly angry? Do you know why we're seeing these things? It's because we're in the cave. This is not the world that we are meant to be in. Everything, all those things that I just said, those represent darkness, evil, and it represents life that is not walking in the light. You long for another kind of world. So people in the cave who are in the darkness, who are longing for life the way that it is meant to be, are people who are longing for Christ. We're, we're, did any of those signs match up for you? If so, 
What that is, is that's a longing for Christ in your life. Now, what might happen is this. You might want the light and all the benefits of the light without wanting to go to Christ. You want the benefits that Christ can give you without having to go to Christ. And this happens very often. We do this all the time. We want what Christ can give us without wanting him. And the problem is you can't have the benefits of the light without Christ. He is the light. So what I want to do now is say, okay, now what are the signs? What are these flashing signs that we want the light, but we're not willing to go to Christ? So the first one is, you don't want to obey him. Because really, we don't want to obey anybody, right? we just rather have the light. But here's first, you don't want to obey him. It says in verse 12, it says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Whoever follows me, what does it mean to follow him? It means you are giving him your entire heart. You're giving him your life. You're saying, you, there's nothing in my life that is more important than you. Does that sound extreme? Listen, these are your options. Shadows upon the wall or the light. It sounds extreme because he's saying that he is the light. He's saying nothing is going to deliver for you like I will. So to follow him means to go after him like he is the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. And then in doing that, you obey him. It shows that you're following him. Now, this doesn't mean, listen, this doesn't mean you're like, okay, I'm going to follow him and the rest of my life I'm going to be perfect. That's not what's going to happen. You look at my life and my life is not perfect at all. Here's what happens. The chains come off and you start following him. And then you forget about them and you start chasing shadows again. Or you stumble and you don't live the way you know that you should be living. And here's what you do. You say, oh, Jesus, I messed up. I'm sorry. Help me to live the way I've been called to live. You see what he's doing, though? He's saying, it's all right. I've got you. I've already died for you on the cross. All is good. Now come and follow me again. And by the way, darkness always has to obey the light. Anytime light comes into darkness, it pushes the darkness out. Anything that comes in the presence of light has to obey the light. Okay, that's the first sign. You're chasing after light, but you don't want Christ. Second sign is you're chasing you, that you want the light, but you don't want Christ, is you're searching for truth, but you're frustrated that you can't find it. So he says in verse 15 that we don't know him because we're in the flesh. So here's what that looks like. It's like we're trying to figure, figure Jesus out. So, so maybe we've been in this, this series for, for three months before this, and you're like trying to figure out what to do with Jesus. And he's saying all of these things, and everything's adding up, but you're still not quite sure about him. And you're not sure what to make of him. That's what the people in the story are saying. They're like, who are you? And he's like, I've been telling you this the whole entire time. I'm the light of the world, but you won't believe it. If we are chasing after truth, but never seeming to find it. It's because we want the light of truth without the light. Do you feel like you can never be sure if you can know God? It's because you have not yet gone to the light. 
to want the light without Christ is the same thing as being incredibly thirsty. And you desire for your thirst to be quenched, but you're unwilling to drink water. It's the same thing as wanting the light, but you're not willing to go to Christ. Every single shadow is pointing to him. Every single desire in your life is pointing to him. Every want is pointing to him. But if you don't go to him, you're never going to have the light. And you, you can't go to him for the benefits of him. You have to go to him because you simply just want him. If you try to go to him to use him to get what he can offer you without going to him for his sake, then you never receive the benefits. And some of you are here and you've been like, I've been a Christian my whole life and all you've chased after is the benefits that Christ has to offer you and you wanted nothing to do with him and you haven't yet realized it. See, our real problem is that we will never really want him unless he does something about it. He says, we're all in the flesh. We're never really going to want him. We've been stuck. So the question is, are we stuck in this cave eternally? And the answer is no. And he says, the way out of the cave is through belief. And he says, here's how I'm going to get you to believe. You're going to lift me up. Now, what does that mean? That's really the great question we got to answer today. What does it mean for him to be lifted up? The answer is in Isaiah 52 and 53. So it says, the servant of God will be high and lifted up. The servant of God is going to be high and lifted up. So what's that mean for him to be lifted up? It explains, but it's not what you thought, right? Because you think the God of glory and majesty and power, he's going to come into the world and he's going to show it all off. And here's, he does the very opposite. Instead of showing it all off, he becomes nothing. He becomes like a dog to be treated like nothing. He does the opposite of what you think he's going to do. So listen, I want you to hear this. This is incredibly, this, this chapter, the verses in this chapter that I'm about to read have changed my life completely. It's from Isaiah 53, and it's foreshadowing what Christ is going to come to do. This is in the Old Testament. Look, listen to what it says. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. This sounds a lot like Christ. Keep listening. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was smitten by God and afflicted, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and with his wounds we are healed. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter. It was the will of God to crush him. His soul makes an offering for our guilt. He poured his soul out to death and bore the sins of many." Do you see that for him to be lifted up is for him to offer up the greatest display of selflessness the cosmos will ever see? And do you see who did this to him? He says, when you lift me up. What he's saying is that every single one of you, every single one of us, our sin is what lifted him up upon the cross. Come on, guys, don't get lost here. Every single one of us, our sin sent him to the cross to suffer. Do you see what's happened? Listen to this. The light has come from outside of the world, outside of the cave, into the cave. 
and he veiled his glory. Guys, don't miss this. He veiled his glory so that we would kill him. Now, why would he do that? Here's why. The only thing that will free you from these chains is seeing his glory. But seeing his glory is going to destroy you in your sin. So here's what he does. All the guilt that would cause you to be crushed by seeing his glory, all of it, he takes it upon the cross and it says, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. What that is saying is that all of the guilt that we have is poured down upon him and he is crushed for those things so that we might be washed free of our guilt. Every single one of you through faith are washed free from guilt by your faith. And here's what happens now. His glory is free to be shown to you. Because you're washed free. You cannot any longer be crushed by your sin. Coming into the presence of his glory. So are you seeing it? How do you know if you're seeing his glory? Here's how you can tell. So all your life, you're looking upon shadows on the wall. And you're frustrated because nothing is delivering for you. And you start to become desperate. And you remember hearing about Christ and how he has come into the cave, come into the cave, come into the world, how he's given his life on the cross, and how he's risen from the grave. And you remember hearing that, but still, you're, you're like, ah, I remember hearing that. Ah, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if I'm good with that right now. And so you keep on staring at these shadows, and you keep getting frustrated, and you keep longing, and nothing is working. And finally, you become desperate enough. And all of a sudden, on that wall, you see a shadow of the cross. And you look at that shadow, and you say, man, is this real? And then for whatever reason, you say, yeah, I believe this is true. I didn't want to believe this. I fought this, but I believe it's true. And all of a sudden, the chains pop off. And you're like, this, this feels crazy. And you look back and you see the glimmer of the light, the outside of that cave, and you're drawn to it, and you begin your journey out, out of the cave, and you're walking out, and guess what starts happening? You start seeing things like you've never seen them before, and the things that you thought were beautiful in the past now become ugly, and the things that you thought were ugly now become beautiful, and you're seeing people differently now, and you're starting to love people because you're seeing them in the light, and you're seeing them like Christ sees them, and you start loving them, and you start loving God, you start loving others, and you desire to see people come to faith because you're walking towards the light, and everything's beginning to look different now. you're looking at the shadows, look for the shadow of the cross and believe so that the chains might come off and you can begin your journey out because there's going to come a day when you finally reach the outside of that cave and you're going to live the way you are meant to live. The life here on this earth is a struggle for every single one. 
of us. But outside of that cave, one day, as we pass through death and into life with God, everything will be greater than we have dreamed of. Look for the light. Look for the shadow of the cross that will lead you to the light. Our God loves you more than you know. And the pain that he felt on the cross so that he might win you is beyond your comprehension. But he offers glimmers of it for us. But one day we're going to walk out of that cave and we're going to see the love he has for us and it's going to melt us, change us completely to be just like him. And until that day, we're walking out. Walking out, that's our journey.